What's going on, everyone? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, the host and founder of the Seeking Excellence podcast. I am stoked to release today's episode. It was my favorite of the duo, the two-part series that we're doing on a Catholic response to Black Lives Matter with my dear friend, Bella Bryant. So hope you really enjoy this episode. We, we take a much deeper dive into some other issues that really affect the Black community, um, some different perspectives, and, and, and just kind of continue the conversation about Black Lives Matter as an organization and just kind of the ways that we see kind of the world going. We actually recorded the episodes 30 days apart from each other. So the riots at the Capitol last week actually had already occurred by the time we recorded the second podcast. And so it's a little bit more up to date, a little bit more, um, I guess, personalized to the current times. And so hopefully you enjoy uh, what we have to share and we'd love to hear your feedback and what you think. If you find it valuable, please share it with a, a friend. And if you have not listened to part one, I couldn't more highly encourage you to go back and check that out before you listen to this one. Enjoy. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ to be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Right, Bella. It has been, I think, exactly. You said exactly thirty days earlier from yep. the time we recorded part one <laughs> till now, and we just released part one two days ago, which is fun. But uh, how are you feeling? How, how's it been? I'm feeling great. Christmas, New Year's, all that stuff was fun. Um, and I'm excited to get back into like real life work and get some goals, you know, and do do my job and just be a good Catholic and get 2020 off the ground. 20- 21 off the ground. Amen. Amen. You know, yeah, I think the 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 years so far is lining up to be a lot of the same that we had last year. Yeah, yeah. After January 6th, I was like, okay. (laughs) I don't know what's happening, but uh just keep on praying, man. Keep on praying. A whole lot of badness. And so here we are today, ready to throw in even more, you know, gas on the flame of the madness of 2021 so far as we continue our conversation on. Black Lives Matter and how Catholics should really respond to it. And so last episode, Bella and I discussed how, uh, yeah, just kind of the general overview. I think uh, something that a lot of people don't do, you know, when it comes to, to BLM is actually go on the website and learn about it, read about it, and kind of understand more of the philosophy. We really tried to break down the difference between the statement and the philosophy versus the mm-hmm. organization and uh, and just why people should be weary of, especially endorsing the, the organization, right? But also how people can be compassionate and empathetic with people who endorse the philosophy of the statement, you know, mm-hmm. out of 
wanting, you know, out of a proper desire to want to try to combat the evil that is actual police brutality, right? In times yeah. where it's not justified and it's not needed, uh, or well, police brutality is never justified or needed, but yeah. when police uh, violence or force is, is used. And so, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to just reread the, the organization's mission statement just as a quick review and then just okay. kind of walk through a little bit of the stuff that we talked about last time. So the organization's mission statement from the website is Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013 in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murderer. Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation Incorporated is a global organization in the US, UK, and Canada whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities by the state and vigilantes. By combating and countering acts of violence, creating space for black imagination and innovation and centering black joy, we are winning immediate improvements in our lives. So that's the, the mission statement. And so we just kind of broke down the difference between that the organization, the philosophy. We talked through how we should respond to the philosophy, especially in the fact that we should love people first, right? We might have truth, we might have a lot of facts and statistics that show different perspectives, right? In regards to how important uh, police brutality in black communities is on the the list of many issues, right? In our flawed country that yeah. is the United States of America. Um, and, and so I think that that's true, like, and that can be real, but we also have to respond with love and empathy and mm -hmm. kindness to people's actual hurt in their wounds, right? And then yeah. we talked about, yeah, just the dangers of uh, some of the, the issues that we have with Black Lives Matter, we walked through the fact that they claim to be three self-proclaimed radicals that hold socialist beliefs, right? And we yeah. talked about how their website and mission statement and stuff has kind of been adjusted and added or adjusted attitude, things taken away over the last few months, uh, especially in regards to some of their Marxist claims, um, especially in regards to the, the family unit and how they wanted to kind of break down the family unit. And uh, we talked about how much violence and, and uh, just chaos they've caused in our cities, you know, that we've seen yeah. between Antifa and BLM, protesters and rioters over the last several months. Obviously, there's been a lot of peaceful protests, which have been great, but 7% have had violence, and many of those have had a lot of violence. You know, over a dozen people have been killed. Really great Americans, honorable people have been killed, lives taken uh, through this process. And so we talked about that. We condemned that. We, we talked about how unfortunate that is that that happens. But today, we're going to kind of transition into to more of that, or we're going to transition to the next part, which is kind of talking about how they have the habit of defending every single black person who's killed by police, yes. right? And, or, you know, every unarmed black person who's killed by police. And many of those, you know, circumstances have been wrong. There's been issues, you know, we talked about George Floyd and how yes. unfortunate his death was and the way that he went out, you know, with uh, Derek Chauvin and kneeling on his neck for eight and a half minutes. And, and everybody's familiar with that story. And, and, a majority of Americans agreed that he should be, you know, tried and prosecuted, right? Um, but not everyone, you know, not every instance where an unarmed black man is killed by the police is is wrong, right? Sometimes the the, the force is is needed and necessary. And and I've had combat training myself, you know, and have been trained in difficult, high pressure, tense situations. And I know that sometimes you have to use lethal force, right? And we were trained to do that in Afghanistan. It's the last resort, but it is one of the resorts, right? It is one of the options. It's just meant to be the last one. And so, uh, so yeah. So what do you think about that, Bella? Like what's been your experience? How do you process the fact that, cause it took me some time. I, I'm, I'm interested to hear like your personal journey with it, if you remember, yeah. cause it took me some time to start to realize, wow, Every time this happens, that group, this faction of people always jumps to defend the, the, the person who was killed. And then there's yeah. also this kind of group of conservatives 
you know, for, for, for the right conservatives that every time it happens immediately jumps to defend the police officer, no matter the yeah. circumstances. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think about it growing up, um, just remembering yeah, every so often there were stories coming out. Right. Um, I can't really remember specific ones. I remember, I can't remember the name, but where a younger man, I think he was in high, high school age, was shot eight times, like in the back. And um, I don't know if you remember his name, which is horrible that I don't know now, but I just remember thinking, wow, like this is kind of crazy. I can't imagine why that is necessary. Um, but also I wasn't like immediately jumping to like, this is a race problem because that's never been something I've done throughout my life. Um, even though my dad has shared stories with me from his childhood, you know, his youth where he did experience racism. I, he just never shared it with me in the, in the way that it was like, oh, Bella, like any situation with the cops in a black person is racist. I never had that kind of experience with my dad or anyone in my life telling me that. So I was always very disheartened by the fact that, wow, that was so much violence to be used on a person of color in this situation. I would like to learn more. I understand that you know, being a policeman is hard and these situations are stressful. Um, so I just want to learn more. I don't want to jump to any conclusions and um, just be in fear all the time of the police. I've never had any bad situations with policemen. Um, maybe that's because I'm a woman. Maybe there's a lot of different reasons, but I haven't. And I've been pulled over quite a few times. Um, not saying I'm a bad driver. I have been pulled over. That's kind of what it sounds like. <laughs> um, hey, only one ticket out of the few times. So Nice. I guess I'm good at talking. Are you a crier? Are you a crier? <laughs> no, when? Okay. No. no, I'm always like, yes, sir. <laughs> I'm just like very, I just, I know when I need to be really respectful and just right. talk with them. And I feel like that kind of works out. Also, I think I've just got a lot of really nice cops that I've dealt with, um, which makes me appreciate them more, you know, right. than maybe other people who have had bad experiences. And I need to be empathetic towards people who have had bad experiences. Like my both dad are real. Has. Yeah, there's a lot real. of good cops exactly. and there are real experiences with bad ones. Yes, yes. But I have a hard time um, with a lot of situations when I'm like, okay, we're putting, when you hear George Floyd's story, his life story, right? Um, and you're like, okay, we want to fight police brutality. We want reform, right? We want things to be better for Black Americans um, and their relationship with the police. But to be putting a criminal's face everywhere, that's kind of hard for me because I see that, okay, as being a victim, you know, in certain situations of my life, being a victim of sexual abuse and other things and, and hearing that, oh, you know, he victimized someone else, right? He held a gun to a pregnant woman. He's done this, that, or the other, right? And these victims of these criminals are just seeing their faces put everywhere by BLM supporters. Um, and that's something to me is like, I think we should fight police brutality. We should fight for police reform but not, not while doing that lift up criminals and make them seem like they weren't criminals. I don't right. think that's just or fair to the victims or just to people who are law-abiding citizens um, and who respect the law. So I think that's something that's been really hard for me. It doesn't really make sense when people, you know, marched, rioted, stole things, lit building on fire for Jacob Blake, who was really a criminal and abused women and did things like that. And I'm just like- Black women. Yeah, black woman too. Okay. I, yeah. I hear that and and we, you know, put his name everywhere. And I have a hard time because I NBA see that jerseys, as, yes, NFL helmets, yeah. Totally, totally unjust. Um, I also don't even know if I think his death was unjust. So that's hard for me. I'm like, okay, he resisted arrest, ran away from police, grabbed something from his car, and he ended up dead in this situation, which no one wants, right? right? We don't want that. But to say that his death 
was racially motivated. I think it's, um, it inspires more fear than there needs to be. And it really divides us more. And I don't think there's really yeah. any direct proof of, oh yeah, this is a racist cop, right? I don't think there's any proof of it. So it's hard for me to see all that right. all the time, for sure. No, absolutely. And I think that's so interesting. You know, it, it, you hit on so many good points right there, but is it a race problem? It's, it's, it's mind blowing to me. That's another thing that was kind of something that I just kind of noticed over time, right? And I'm so thankful that I studied philosophy in college yeah. and like that God, God's grace or whatever, my parents, my dad, I don't know who it was, but somebody gave me like a dash of intellectual curiosity that I can like yeah. stop and think and wonder about things for a moment, right? Like it doesn't yeah. take, like it doesn't, I'm not a genius by any means, but just, I remember coming to the conclusion of, wow, every time there's this group of people who rush to defend the cop, who rush to defend the person who died without any <laughs> revealing of the facts of the situation, mm -hmm. right? Before anybody knows anything. And then two, why is it always if why why is it every time that there's a a publicized like national news story of some yeah. of a person dying at the hands of the police it's always a white cop and it's always a black person is that the only yeah. time that it happens right and then you hear stats from typically conservative leaders and speakers Candace yeah. Owens shares a lot of these that uh, more people of color are shot by cops of color right yeah. than they are by white cops but why do we never hear about those stories? Why do we never hear about these things? Or why do we never hear about a black cop sh shooting and killing a white guy who yeah. was unarmed, right? Like it never yeah. happens. It's like, is it possible truly over the last eight years that it's never happened? Yes. You know, like it's, you start to think about these things. Yeah. Right. And it's like, <laughs> it's why, crazy. why does that happen? Why is it, uh, you know, so mm -hmm. common that we only hear this one, you know, these two demographics that it's always mm -hmm. the exact same thing. Whenever it's a big deal, whenever yeah. it's a story, why is it always the exact same thing? And it doesn't make any sense. And I think that's a question that people have to ask a lot of times is not just what is shared, what am I seeing, but like, what isn't shared, you know, cause that's the yes. question that I ended up and coming And why to. isn't it shared? Exactly. Right? That's what I think about a lot is, so we talk about how we, we were just talking earlier about how for the past 150, 150 years, there have been white people fighting, right? To end racism in our country. And there have yep. been black people fighting along with them, right? In all different races. We have fought so hard in America to fight against racism. And today we're doing many drastic things and sometimes I think aren't helpful. We'll get to that later. But it's why would the media, why would big institutions really only push this one narrative, right? Why are yeah. why in America we're fighting to end racism, right? Um, and we see that America is one of the least racist countries. If you look into any studies and you talk to people in other countries, you see, oh, America is actually really quite diverse and not very racist um, at the heart of it, right? And why would we, why would they want to do this to us? Why would these big institutions that have much more power than you and I have, right? right? On sure. our, you know, social media accounts that have a couple thousand followers, right? Much more power. Why would they instill fear and instill divide between these two groups of people like what do they have to gain and we we should be wary of it right yeah. we should be kind of like okay like you had this kind of curiosity we should all have that curiosity we should all desire to think for ourselves and understand that not every situation with a black man and a white cop is racist right. we just need to the just to say that out loud it's just a blanket <laughs> right. statement, but it's As true. People. Yeah. Not every not every situation is going to be racist, especially in America. Right. So to spread that narrative is extremely divisive and it's hurtful, right? Because we're afraid, right? Everyone's talking about how Black Americans are so afraid. We're afraid of all of these things. And a lot of the times I see it as, well, why are we afraid? Because it's how realistic is it that our fear is on such a high level, you know? Yeah. 
And is it emotions? Are we being, are our emotions being played with or is there actual facts that we're paying attention to? And I just think it's really extremely important because the more we're afraid, the, the less we'll do, right? If yeah. I'm afraid and I think, oh, I can't be a black woman in America, I, that would get me down and I wouldn't try to succeed or start my own nonprofit or, you know, do anything. And I would always think, oh, white people are out to get me. My, my country is yeah, oppressing you can't me. Do anything. I can't do anything. Why would I, why would I try? You know? And if I, I just think it's really important. I was reading your letters. You were talking about how I don't care if all of the Rangers are white, I'm going to be the first black man or one of the few black men to do this thing because right. I want to initiate change and I want diversity. Right. I think that is extremely important. And the black cops who have actually died because of BLM protests, they have that same mindset, right? right? I'm going to fight against these stereotypes. They do something right? good. Yeah. yeah, do something good, do something different and be maybe one of the minority of black cops in this city, right? I think not, that's Not demand important. that I should be given a ranger tab, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm black. No. <laughs> that I deserve no. to have one, because, you know, without going through everything everybody else did. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, yeah. yeah, it's so interesting. It is really wild. And I think that's all, that's all so, so powerful. But I think the other good thing that you really hit on there, that is such a huge issue. And I think, you know, Candace Owens really went wild on with the George Floyd case. And I think she yeah. did it without a ton of empathy. And, and there was definitely yes. some rough edges in her <laughs> video there. But just that concept of turning villains into heroes. And I think what you talked about, you know, with Ranger School and stuff, or like the cops who go, the black cops who come from inner city communities and, and, and then, you know, go to college and fight for their way yeah. to become police officers and make something and have good families that end up dying in these things. Like those are the heroes, you know, it's crazy exactly. how we turn heroes into villains and villains into heroes, you know, and you, you talked so much about the, the fear that's instilled in the community and like how, what better to manipulate people, right? Yes. What, what better thing to move people and, and control a crowd and control a society mm -hmm. than with fear. Yeah. And, and you know, like, I, I just am always thinking of that, that, uh, you know, Linda B. Johnson quote, where he says, I'm gonna have these uh, N words voting for me for for decades, you know, for, for Democrats yeah. for, for decades, for the next 100 yeah. years, 200 years. And it's crazy when you see the, the overwhelming majority of black people that automatically vote for Democrats. And you mm -hmm. think, why is that? And it's like, mm -hmm. all we see, right, is this narrative that's pushed, and it just gets more and more extreme gets moved further yes. and further into this uh you know madness and, and creating this this narrative through fear yeah and it just really pushes people to want to vote for for democratic leaders so why yeah. is the media why are the democratic politicians so obsessed with these these stories um why have you seen it's been so interesting to me like learning so much more about uh president mm -hmm. barack obama over the last two years of my life yeah. you know because uh, I'm somebody who would, I mean, in 2008, like I had a poster, I remember like having a poster of him and Michelle in my, in my bedroom, you know, like oh, huge oh. fan, like was just yeah. absolutely stoked, loved him. Yeah. And it's been one of the craziest things learning about him more and more. Yeah. Is hearing his rhetoric just drastically change between the 2008 yeah. election and the 2012 election, his, his belief on race, like his actual, mm -hmm. like when he went and, and it's no surprise to me that I was a fan, you know what I mean? That I was a supporter mm -hmm. in 2008 because his rhetoric was so unifying. It was yeah. positive, uplifting. He saw America as a good place, you know, like he, he appeared yeah. to be a patriot who cared. And obviously mm -hmm. there's some things that I vehemently disagree with him even now on that yeah. he believed in 2008 still, but yeah. it's just mind blowing how much he, he changed and how much the narrative of, of racism and America just being awful, mind you, by the first black president of all time. And, and if yeah. you go to, <laughs> we, we literally elected, like he like broke the records for receiving the most presidential votes back-to-back yes. -back elections right a black man in america 
And the thing that's so interesting, we point to all these other countries and, and we, we fail to, it's, it's amazing how much people who hate America will hold it to this like impossible standard, mm-hmm. right? And, and put a, we point mm-hmm. to democratic socialists, the same like far leftist people will say, you know, look at these other like European countries who have socialized medicine, have all these other things. Yes. They, none of them have ever elected a, a minority leader. Yes. Right. Some of them have elected women, but ne- there's no brown. There's never been a brown prime minister in the UK. Right. Yeah. There's no brown leader in Germany. There's no like any of these other countries never mm-hmm. happened and never even close and never. They don't have anywhere near the diversity that we have, even in the higher offices that aren't yes. you know, necessarily the highest office in the land. Right. Like we're talking mayors, governors, all these different things. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it, at the federal level, it's crazy. And we, we just never even think to like point to these other nations and think about those things. You know, exactly. and, and it's amazing to me, like how like one of the things that kind of like really blew my mind a couple of months ago, I don't know if I said this last time or not, is like if you think about the fact that like a, a United States, like a, a, you could you would be better off waving the flag of Germany in the U.S., right, than you would be a United States flag because the U.S. flag is now deemed as like a racist symbol yes. because of slavery that ended in 1865 when yes. we had World War II and literally like millions of Jews like exterminated. Yes in Germany less than a hundred years ago, you know, but nobody looks and says, oh, at the the center of of German history is this like horrific event. Nobody talks about that. You know, I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. hear, and maybe it happens in Germany where there's people that just talk about how horrific Mm -hmm. Germany is at its core, but I don't hear that. And it's like that, that was, I mean, that was legitimately worse than slavery. They were literally trying to remove that race from the face of the earth. You know, like World War II was the worst event in like world history. You know, it's so funny to me too, is when we talk about slavery in America, we act like we're the only country that had slaves all the time. Or we act like slavery was not a normal thing for a very long time. Horrific, albeit horrific, right? Yes. But extremely common, not something that we created. Mm -hmm. No, and I I think about that and I'm like, and it's just like, oh, you live on stolen land and so does everyone else, right? We, you can say these things and make everything sound so horrible, Right. right? But this is human nature, right? Slavery was something that came out of the evil of human beings, right? Right. Original sin. Just like this idea of we have to conquer people and kill people and enslave the people we conquered. That happened for literally thousands of years in the world. And we act like, oh, and now America, because they had slaves and then fought so hard against racism for years, fought so hard, is like some horrible country. And it's this narrative that scares me. Everyone talks about, okay, you know, racism is the most important problem in America. This is the most, women's rights, most important problem. And to me, I think, wow, it's the narratives and the fear that is spread that divides our country that is the most important problem. It's the media lying to us that is an extremely important problem. And this idea that, oh, people get mad at me because I do have a good social media following. They'll be like, but you're not talking about this. Well, I'm, and I tell them, well, I think this problem is more important. So I'm going to focus on it, right? Right. And they still kind of don't understand but I'm, I will fight against the thing that I see as the most evil, which is deceit, which the devil deceives us every day with, oh, this, this sin is good for you, right? right. Oh, you yeah. should be afraid of this thing. God is scary. Like he's a judgmental, you know? And I yeah. see the media doing the same thing. If I see something that resembles the devil, yes, I'm going to fight against that more than I am going to fight against the minority of people in America that are racist and the minority of systems in America that are racist. I, I want to talk about it and heal that as well. But this idea that I have to talk about all of this instead of other things, I'm just like, okay, I, I want to solve the divide first because that's going to be much easier 
to deal with racial issues if we're actually a unified right. nation, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. It, it's it's so funny, you know, it's so wild. Like, it's not funny, but it, it's crazy <laughs> to me. Like, I was thinking about it before we got on today. I was just like, the American experience for people like us who love this mm -hmm. country, recognizing its flaws and wanting to improve it, but recognizing yeah. its greatness as well. And the yeah. beautiful story that is the American experiment. It's literally like anytime you've had an experience where like, you're enjoying something and there's like one to two people, right? That just like ruin mm -hmm. it. And it's just like, this is so good. Like, why do you have to, yes. you know, yeah. why do you have to come in a room? That's how this feels, right? Like, that's what mm -hmm. it's like to be an American in 2021. It's just like, why do people have to like ruin what is so good? Yes, yeah. we should improve upon it, but why do people have to ruin it? And so let's continue talking about just how BLM, yeah. the organization is one mm -hmm. of those people, right? That just tries yes. to bring it down. And I think that, uh, so I want to read this quote from, from the website. This yeah. is another quote from the website that says, Black Lives Matter is an ideological and political intervention in a world where Black lives are systemically and intentionally targeted for demise. It's an affirmation of Black folks' humanity our contributions to the society and our resilience in the face of deadly oppression. Now, again, we believe the second half of that is, is not mm -hmm. bad necessarily, right? Yeah. Like affirming black people's humanity. We're exactly. all about human dignity, right? The church is mm -hmm. all about human dignity. hundred percent agree with that. Mm -hmm. Recognizing their contributions to society, all about that, right? Let's recognize mm -hmm. everybody's contributions to society. Exactly. And resilience in the face of deadly oppression is a good thing if that exists. But yeah. it's the first half of that that is crazy and wrong, right? The ideological and political intervention, in a and especially emphasis there on the political. Yes. Right? Uh, in a world where Black lives are systemically and intentionally targeted for demise. Now, like you and I have both had this experience of being of being people of yes. color in America, right? Like this is mm -hmm. a very real thing. It's amazing to me how 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 much there are obviously those people who have experienced that, right? Who have gone yeah. through actual racism and tough times. But it's crazy to me how many people today in, and I talked about this in my letter, you might remember this, I think it's in letter number yeah. two, how like, if I told my grandmother, right, like my dad's mother, that I felt yeah. like I was like experiencing racism on a serious level, like, I just can't even imagine, she literally was born in the 1930s in Georgia. Yeah. I can't even imagine what she would do. Like, yes. I just think she would slap me so quick. I won't even know what to do with myself. You know, she'd be like, yes, you don't even exactly. know what you're talking about, dude. Like, mm -hmm. what do you I mean? Yeah, my grandma's born in Mississippi in the right. 30s, 40s, right? And so I talk, yeah. I think about that all the time. I'm pretty sure she actually picked cotton in Mississippi. She was right. like literally as a free woman, but going through Jim Crow laws, all these things. Yeah. And I think about, you know, people are like, talk about your experiences with, I will never get over this. Talk about your experiences with racism on college campuses. And stories will be like, this girl was like, oh, I think I'm almost as dark as you because she's a tan white girl talking to a that is just, I don't, that's racism. That's what we're going to talk about. Or someone wanting to commenting on my curly hair or, right. you know, yeah, you know? Like pointing out the differences between races and just not understanding. Like sometimes, understanding. sometimes people will make fun of yes. you for it and that can yes. be wrong, but like, let's yes. attack bullying. Like bullying is yes. wrong on any level, right? For kids, mm -hmm. like kids should not bully each other for any reason. Yes. It doesn't necessarily make it any worse or any more scarring if it's racial yes. or if it's because you're fat or if it's because your parents are poor, like exactly. either way it hurts, right? It's a painful yes. thing, but that's, that's bullying. You know, when you're talking about kids being like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, can, can your barber cut your hair or whatever? Like sometimes they're just genuinely curious and they're just kind of dumb and not very tactful yes. in the way that they present it, you know? Exactly. But sometimes it's not necessarily, again, it's like just jumping to immediately being a racial problem is kind of yes. kind of crazy it's mind-blowing or calling it racism I, I i i know that in the definition of racism prejudice plays a part in it 
Right. But then, then if so, if we talk about prejudices, right, that we build over time of certain races, then this idea that BLM puts forward that reverse racism is not a thing, right? Black yep. people can't be racist towards white yeah, people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That wouldn't be true because we've come up with a million stereotypes for white people and prejudices against white people. So if you are going to tell me that having these little prejudices that don't really totally affect the way you think, you don't think of someone less, you're just like, oh, this is, I've seen a lot of people of this race act right. this certain way. So I assume that most of them or all of them act this way, right? And to like, then of course there is racism against white people. If that's what we're gonna call these little prejudices that we come up with because we're human beings, and every single person has prejudices, even though we should be paying attention to them and thinking yep. about them and being like, why, or is that true? That doesn't mean these people are like evilly racist people for being like, oh, well, all of my experiences with black people were this way. Therefore, I kind of think a lot of black people are this way. That doesn't mean like someone's like, oh, my race is better and superior than yours, or I hate you in any way, right? right? But we kind of act like, oh, these people who have any stereotype in their head yeah. are horrible, evil, racist people. And I don't think that actually helps bringing people together in any way No, at all. Certainly not. And I think that one of the things that's most mind-blowing with that is, I don't know if you, if you follow LeBron on Instagram, but I just saw his post no. recently <laughs> of, yeah, just talking about, do you understand now? And um, just it was kind of like, I think, post the, the Jacob Blake's uh, yeah you know, decision and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. it's just amazing to me how many, how many people in situations like that, like he would not be, you know, well over halfway to a billionaire in any other country. Like yes. if the United States did not exist, like without the NBA yes. and our, you know what I mean? And our, our, our relationships with other countries and his sponsorships from yeah. American companies, mind you, you know what I mean? Like he would not be where he is. And it's just amazing to me, like he's spelling America, you know, the classic, like, America with three K's, the KKK in the middle and yeah. all this stuff. And it's just like, dude, like you literally, have, like you are the example of like, what can happen here? Mm -hmm. You know, when I just hear these crazy stats and Emily and I just recorded one the other day on uh, feminism and racism and some of their alignments, you know, but just oh, like, like 70% of the SEC, right? The, the best uh, conference in college football is black. You know, we yeah. think about the numbers of we, we point to we always look for to continue the narrative. They always point to the well, the number, the percentage of, of coaches isn't black enough. right? Yeah. It doesn't represent. But, the, but overwhelmingly, the athletes in the NBA or the yeah. athletes in, in college football, the people who are making still a ton of money. Yeah. Right. Like LeBron makes yeah. a lot more money than any basketball, any yeah. head coach in the NBA are, are overwhelmingly black. And it's like, yeah, we don't. But that's what I'm talking about earlier of what isn't said, what is neglected, what isn't shared. Right. And I think that's so important, but kind of going back to that quote, right? So yeah. an ideological and political intervention in a world where Black lives are systemically intentionally targeted for demise and talking about deadly oppression. I, I looked up just some yeah. stats here of what, what, what percentage. So this was kind of, it wasn't funny, but again, like none of this is funny, but I, I literally typed in to Google, how many black people died in murders in murders in 2020? You know what the first like six things that came up? What? All about police violence. Really? All of the Google search. I didn't type anything about police, not anything about black, you know what I mean? Black Lives Matter, nothing. It was yes. just simply typed in how many black people died in murders in 2020. And all the first the whole page, all I could see was was police brutality deaths. And yeah. so I had to type it in a different by that. But yeah, I, I had to I really, did. right. I had to really search to find that actual answer. But I still found yes. both. Right. So listen to this. So in 2019, I think that's what I had the stats for both are 2019, right? Mm -hmm. 2019, you had uh, 235 
Mm -hmm. uh, black people were shot to death by police in the United States. Now that's not saying unarmed. That's just like total deaths by police, right? 235. Guess how many murder victims in the United States were black in 2019? Um, hundreds of thousands, of million? I don't know. <laughs> no, not that high. Seven thousand four hundred eighty-four. Really? Seven thousand four hundred eighty-four. That's actually low in my head because I just assumed that places where crime was like really high, like places like Chicago, Michigan, there were murders kind of often. But right. maybe. Well, there are. Not. I mean, that's still yeah. a lot. That's still a lot. Yes. But check this out. Check this out. This is the other thing I think is really interesting about these stats. In 2019, back to the people shot to death yeah. by police in the United States, 2019, 370 white people, 235 black people, right? Mm-hmm. Still proportionately not the same. Now you have yeah, to go into totally. all the different stats regarding how many encounters they have with police, the amount of violent crime committed by each community, right? Um, and, and people will counter that by saying that police are more heavily involved in black communities and white communities. Mm-hmm. So they have naturally more encounters and just discover more of yeah. that violent crime, whatever. But still, just to say there's 370, just to put it in perspective of what's proposed to be the biggest issue facing the black community, what gets more mm-hmm. national media coverage, more political talking points than anything else is black people, unarmed black people being shot to death by yeah. police. But I'm just talking about in general, people shot to death by police, 370 whites in 2019, 235 black people. Yeah. Now murders in 2019, 2000 more black people died in murders than white people in, t- in 2019. Yeah, I'm going to talk about being proport- like disproportionate. Now, the other one I said was disproportionate, but at least there was more white people, right? At least it yeah. was still a 50% increase almost of mm-hmm. white people that had died at the hands of police than the other. Now, you think about the United States, only 13.4% of the United States is Black. So yeah. obviously, it's still very disproportionate. But 2,000 more Black people were murdered than white people were murdered in general in 2019. 2,000 yeah, more. Crazy. Now, think of how... That's like unbelievably disproportionate, mm-hmm. right? How many of those names do we know? How many know, of those, you know, news stories do we remember yeah. over the last several years? Nobody yeah. talks about it. Nobody, and all we talk about, now, if you want to talk about going out and being scared, right? Like yeah. BLM talks about p- black people being targeted and suffering violence. Mm-hmm. We agree, right? Like that's repulsive. Yes. When you think about, there was, I think, double digit murders over July 4th weekend in Chicago alone, black mm-hmm. victims. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. It's 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 reprehensible, right? It's you can't even imagine it, right? And what is the the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, a black woman, doing during that time? Talking about COVID. Yeah, she's dressing up as a Lysol can and and you know shouting around and and doing all kinds of goofy stuff talking about COVID and how people need to wear masks and that's the number one thing that's killing people. Meanwhile, and then talking about you know police brutality and letting you know BLM and Antifa run their streets and, and burn down these cities. And, and cause all types of violence and damage and loot all kinds of stores, but nobody talks about these things. Yeah. And this is, that's, you know, it's a huge gap of what's not being talked about. Yeah. And it kind of, it really does scare me when I hear stuff like that. Also, I remember during around that time, there was like three kids under five, black kids under yep. five who were shot to death. Um, and, you know, in my head, it's just so inhumane that we're putting all of these other things above this absolute horrendous thing that is going on within black communities, right? So so much violence, so much violence. And, you know, I think BLM or people on the, you know, the opposite kind of side would be like, well, it's systemic racism or it's, you know, history of racism that's 
going through and making these black people, you know, in these black communities that are poor, right? It's making them poor. So it's making them more violent. But even if we do say that's true, right? Even if we do talk about the history and how it has affected black Americans today, I wonder what is talking about the past? How is that going to actually solve the issue going right. on today, right? So Absolutely. what is me saying systemic racism, right? What is me yelling that and saying white privilege? What is that actually does me yelling that help the 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 black children being shot in poor neighborhoods? Does right. that help one, right? Does it help single motherhood? Like I want to, I think it's great. Yeah, we can pay attention to history. We can talk about how people might be treated differently. Right. But what's really going to solve these problems is people going into these communities, people uplifting Black voices who are talking about the right things. Yeah. You know, so I just, I'm overhearing about that because I'm like, it's not saving lives. The more yeah. you, you, you yell about systemic racism, the more you riot, you're not saving anyone's life. I want to save lives. I want to change their lives. I want them to live better, right? right? I want them to see themselves as people who can do well in America. And I want them to be able to fight for that on their own. I'm not gonna, I don't wanna just give them handouts. I want them to be able to lift themselves up and be able to do that on their own and give them resources, not just right. money, you know? Yep. So it just really irritates me that we're just gonna, we just shout all of these things that don't yep. change anything. And that's what we did. We wanted to talk about that. They never seem to really seek real solutions to the problems that Black Americans are facing. And, and I want to be able, like, I've, I've always, you know, I have my own ministry. I, you know, I'm doing my own thing. Sure. And I just wonder, like, how can I help other people get involved and do this, start nonprofits, do things in these communities, you know? Right. And because I just, I just don't see anything that people on the left or BLM that they're promoting segregating colleges so people feel safe black people feel safe that doesn't make sense to me right you know i want real solutions that are actually helping you know these communities absolutely so that always just kills me man i i hate hearing about you know all of the death that occurs in these black communities because for me all i can be is empathetic mm -hmm. i didn't grow up in these communities i didn't experience uh, that kind of lifestyle um i didn't grow up wealthy in any way but i did not grow up wanting anything Mm -hmm. So, you know, and my dad did though, you know, and I hear his experiences and how he got out of, you know, he fought really hard in high school. He did really well with sports. He wanted a big family. He wanted to be Catholic. Right. He doesn't, his, his extended family, they have completely different lives from him. Yeah. Right. Um, and he fought so hard to create a family get a job, be Catholic, raise his children well and provide for us. And I just feel like I hear that he grew up without a dad, but so many black kids grow up without a father, mm -hmm. right? And he is an anomaly to be able to come out of that and provide for his family and stay with his wife. You know, that's an anomaly, but we don't want him. I don't want my dad to be an anomaly anymore. I want him to be the norm, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think that's, that's exactly it. And so I'm going to dive into to this next part here of this article from the Heritage Foundation uh, mm -hmm. written by Robert Rector in 2015. And the title is Married to the Welfare State. And so that's exactly what you just hit on. I yeah. was talking about, you know, we talk about the, the difference in the violence and um, just like the, the crazy gun violence in inner city communities, um, especially with black victims um, and just how, how rampant it is in all these major cities across the country, right? And it's always crazy over the, every five to 10 years, you see it fluctuate from 
Flint, Michigan, to Detroit, to Chicago, to Baltimore, you know, Atlanta, mm-hmm. like all these different cities, right? They're just constantly, constantly going on. And, and as one gets better, others get worse, you know, and it's crazy. It's crazy how um, it, it's almost never ending, right? And so you wonder, like, what can we do? And what's the other answer you always hear for that? Oh, we just need more gun control. But that's not really it. You know, you read something like Tattoos on the Heart um, by Father Greg Boyle, yeah. which I just finished recently. And just some of the stuff you're talking about, like people need opportunity. People need uh, to be able to live. People need to know that the principles and values that actually create success in the world, but also especially here in America, right? And so let's talk about some of these things that I think are, 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 are consistently misconstrued or twisted or manipulated to seem like they help when they really don't help, right? So yeah. I want to talk about both the welfare state and then we're going to talk about legal immigration a little bit as well. So I'm just going to read a little bit about read a few quotes here from this from this article. 51. So this is written in 2015, mind you. Uh, so 51 years ago, President Lyndon B. Johnson launched a war on poverty. You know, we talked about him earlier. You know, the guy who said, "I'm going to have these uh, black folks voting for us for a couple hundred years," and this is what exactly what he meant. Since then, taxpayers have spent more than 22 trillion dollars fighting Johnson's war, three times the cost of all time of all military wars in U.S. history. Mm-hmm. Think like think about that. Three times the cost of all military wars in U.S. history. There is nothing that is more protested. I feel like, especially by the left, yeah. than military spending. Exactly. Three times the cost of all of that. Twenty-two trillion mother-loving dollars. Twenty-two trillion dollars, and we still have the poverty that we have in the United States. Mm-hmm. Last year, taxpayers. So this is in 2014. Going back to the article, taxpayers spent more than 920 billion dollars on 80 different anti-poverty programs. Despite the spending, the percentage of Americans who are poor has barely budged since the late 1960s. As President Reagan put it, we declared war on poverty and poverty is won. Now, yeah. boom, I wanna read a little bit more here. A major reason for the nation's lack of success for the last century has been the collapse of marriage. Marriage is a powerful force in reducing poverty and every single person knows this. Every study shows this. Every yeah. human being that ever studied sociology or any of this stuff knows this. A single mother, going back to quoting, a single mother with children is four times more likely to be poor than a similar mother who is married. Four times more likely to be poor. More than two thirds, quoting, more than two thirds of all poor families with the children in the U.S. are headed by single parents. That's insanity. In 1964, 7% of U.S. children were born outside of marriage. Today, in 2015, the number is 41%. Society is dividing into two castes. In the top half, children who are raised by married couples with college education, and the bottom half, children are raised by single mothers with a high school degree or less. Not shit about that has to do with race. Nothing, yeah. Right? And those principles are true. The same, the divorce rates, all this stuff, it, it literally mirrors, right? Single parent households, divorce rates, all this stuff mirrors the poverty rates in all demographics. In the black community, we don't talk about this at all. And, and every single leading conservative voice in the black community talks about the fact that we have a culture problem in the black community, yeah. not a, a racism problem. That racism may be an issue. And it's crazy how many, like Larry Elder has great stats on this and I wish I knew yeah. them or I looked them up before this, but I feel like every time we record, we always like, man, I should have looked this up. Yeah. But the stats of even black Americans who say what number, like where on the priority list would you say racism is and why you're not successful, right? Mm-hmm. It's not there. But like, yeah. these are the issues, right? We talk about single, like this, I mean, this isn't even just the, the whole of it, but this is a huge one, right? Single parent households, the demise, and there has undoubtedly been institutional things 
that have caused that, right? Mm -hmm. Slavery was a huge deal. Uh, Jim Crow was a huge deal. Um, the war on drugs and just the way that negatively impacted the, the black communities for such yeah. small offenses and just taking black men out of the homes for long periods of time so they could have forced labor. You know, uh, the new Jim Crow is a great book on a lot of that stuff, but um, it's crazy still like how we, we don't even talk about it. It's not like we talk about that along with, you know, police brutality and things like that. BLM does, they don't even want anything to do with that. And in fact, they wanted to talk, they were talking previously about how we should continue yeah. that, how we should yeah. keep doing that, how yeah. the, the, I, yeah, yeah the, the family unit, the nuclear family is actually a bad thing yeah. and they need to remove and, and yes. eradicate Because that. they very much want to fight for LGBTQ, especially the TQ part of that, trans, exactly. you know, um, gay parents, single, like all of this stuff, they they were talking about it. I, they, did they change that on their website? Because I know I read it way back, like in June, I was reading their website and they had this whole thing yeah. about destroying the nuclear family, which yep. is, you know, mother, father, children. Right. Yep. And that is just Marxist ideas. And why? Why? Yes, what, what does that all, what does that obviously how does that play into socialism? Because if you're not dependent on your family, if you mm -hmm. if you're not you're united with your family, yeah, you're dependent on the government. Exactly. Yes. Which, which we is the welfare state. Yes, exactly. And this idea is, is exactly what I was talking about before. Right. When I hear about welfare, I see that if someone started welfare, when I hear that quote from Lyndon B. Johnson, I'm like, OK, he didn't I don't think he had good intentions at all doing this right yeah, um yeah. but if someone did have good intentions right or a majority of people who are blm supporters who want, are fighting for something that they believe is right right they would start something like this and they would have completely good intentions doing it right they would think yeah. oh yes giving these people money who do not have money could be really really helpful and then when i think about it every time i've just been given something it always makes me more lazy yeah 110 percent I mean, when I have to, when I, I've, I've gotten comfortable because I, I quit my job and my parents are so amazing and they support my nonprofit and I support my mission, but they've given me a lot of money and I, it's a loan, but in my head, it's like, oh, I'm fine. Maybe I don't, I, you know, my parents will help me, you know, and it makes me lazy. It makes me not fight as hard for, to make money on my own and to do these things right. and understanding that, or this idea, even growing up, you know, and feeling like a victim of my abuse and, and just like family situations, it didn't help me grow. And understanding yeah. that is extremely important, right? Is that we can't just throw things at people and expect them to grow. They'll yeah. just really kind of stay the same and maybe get comfortable in the life that they're living, which we don't want them to be comfortable in a low income area, not making yeah. money, not being able to send their children to college. So I just, it's never made sense to me in my whole life. That's just, oh, let's throw money at people. Yep. I don't, exactly. I, when has that ever worked? You and know? The, sad, the other sad part of how broken the system is, is like, I remember, I would never forget. That. I literally remember where I was sitting in the classroom watching this documentary yeah. in one of my sociology classes in college. And there was this, this they followed like several different uh, single black women who were uh, mothers on welfare. Yes. And one of them had a job. She was working hard. I think she had two kids. She's working like yes. one or two jobs, like crushing it, right? And she realized that she got offered a raise and a uh, promotion at work. And she's yeah. like, if I take the raise and the promotion, I'm actually going to make less money because I'll cross a threshold within welfare mm -hmm. where I'm going to lose benefits. And so like, she's literally being, you know, motivated to not work as hard, like to be worse. Yeah. She's like, she's and so many of them. And there's so many strong single mothers and, and great single fathers out there as well. Yes. But so many strong single mothers out there who are working hard that, that will literally tell you, I would make more money sitting at home, not doing this. Which right? is so crazy. 
Yeah, but what does that do? If you're dependent on the government, you're going to yeah. vote for the same party that's going to make you, totally. that has you dependent on it. Yes, and that's really Forever. important because later in the article, it talks about how, oh, if you marry a man who's making the same income as you, right, you won't get anything from welfare, but he's not really exactly. making that much. He's still not making that much, right? Yep. So you still be have a really hard time taking care of your children if you're making 15000 your spouse is making 15000 Yep. And you have two to, you know, four kids. No, no way in heck is it going to be easy for you to take care of those children. But if you don't have your spouse there, you're making like 5,200 right. in food stamps or, you know, in getting money. So I'm just like, wow, the welfare system might be able to work if it was re like renovated. <laughs> a yeah, lot. I think it needs reconstruction. Right? We definitely can't just like break it down and just remove it tomorrow. You know yeah. what I mean? I think that would really devastate yeah. a lot of people. But it definitely needs revised and, and yeah. just like redone and restructured, you know, because it's we should have a social safety net. We're a wealthy country. You know, if people lose their job or if people yeah. hit hard times or if a, a father dies, and you have a widow or whatever it might be. Like there's serious circumstances or even if just somebody made a bad decision. Right. And like totally. gets pregnant at a young age and then they, you know, have a, and you know, are they courageous enough? Praise the Lord to have the child, mm -hmm. you know, and keep the child. Um, like we should be able to help them. Right. As a society. Yeah. Like I'm OK with that personally, like some yeah. assistance in helping whether that be, you know, through private, you know, organizations or, yeah. you know, even like I'd be okay with a little bit of government assistance in those Especially extreme circumstances. The government systems, right? Right. But when you're so talking about I spending think, all yeah. this money with no yeah. rewards, no fruit, mm -hmm. no, nothing has been proven that it actually works. Like, yeah. how do we, how do we not even talk about like, like what, what debate did you hear? And I watched every democratic debate, this, um, uh, you know, election cycle. I watched every presidential debate, the vice presidential debates. I did not hear anybody talk about it. Yeah. Who even touches? It's one of those things that it's like you can't even talk about, right? And the only the only people who ever discuss it are conservatives of yes. whether it should be even be uh, readjusted or not. But I want I want to take us on because we could talk about that forever. Yes, but I want I to take us to you know another low lying mm -hmm. or another key issue that is pushed by the same party that claims that it's going to help and, and assist black people, um, the black community that is just super uh, misconstrued again, manipulated. Mm -hmm. And, and lied about very, very often. And that's uh, illegal immigration. And so this article comes from the National Bureau of Economic Research. And the, the head kind of like bottom line up front quote that they have is that the 1980 to 2000 immigrant influx therefore generally explains about 20 to 60% of the decline in wages, 25% of the decline in employment and about 10% of the rise in incarceration rates among blacks with a high school education or less. Yep. It's, it's incredible how much this impacts. So look, it says almost everybody knows that in the past 40 years, the real wages and job prospects for low-skilled men, especially low-skilled minority workers, have fallen. And there is evidence, although no consensus, consensus I can't even say that word, consensus, consensus? there we go, yeah. that a rising tide <laughs> of immigration is partly to blame. It says that uh, the new study from this organization suggests that immigration has more far-reaching consequences than merely depressing wages and lowering employment rates of low-skilled African-American males. Its effects also appear to push some would-be workers into crime and later into prison. And that's exactly what I'm talking about when you're talking about stealing opportunities. When, when these, I, I mean, and that was one of the most powerful things of Tattoos on the Heart by Father Greg Boyle, is when these guys, you know, when these gangsters, he called them homies, when the homies got jobs and they had this dignity and they, you know, had opportunities to actually make something of themselves, it literally radically changed their lives. It changed the way that they saw themselves. It changed the yeah. way that they saw the world and it changed the way that the world saw them. 
And that was powerful. And that actually helped to keep them off the streets. When you, we have the same people who are talking about police brutality as the number one issue in the black community that want to keep black people on the welfare, on like addicted to welfare, right? As much as yeah. humanly possible that put Planned Parenthoods in the center of black communities to try to limit black births to where you have states like New York, where it was literally higher abortion rate than birth rate for black communities. And then on top of that, they want to open the borders to let anybody from South America, Mexico, any of these countries in with no documentation, anything to take the work. Like what, what about what they're proposing actually is, is going to help the black communities? Nothing. It's, it's, it's so crazy to me and I it's I you know I hate to talk about this and say like all oh, the devil's working all right. the time but I just it's you know I had this is my first time hearing of the the illegal wow Bella immigration affecting you know black Americans because I knew yeah. it was a problem in taking jobs I had of course heard of the welfare state and all of that stuff but when you sent this to me and I was reading through it I was like this is the you know the left the liberal parties no person's illegal blah, 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 like, and they don't, you know, totally fighting Trump on trying to make illegal immigration um, less of a problem in America. And I think to myself, why, why would this party who fights so hard, you know, says they are so for black America, would, are they not doing research? These aren't stupid people, you know, like, you know, it's not like, oh, wow, these people don't know anything. No, I'm sure they've seen stuff like this. I'm sure they've heard these talking points right. from conservatives and they either ignore it or there's something else going on. Um, right. And I'm not going to say what it is. I don't know people's hearts, right? Only God knows people's hearts and can judge them. But I just, all I want to do is be able to like spread this truth. Like, oh, we should be wary. We should just be wary of these things. And when I hear that, wow, all of these illegal immigrants are taking jobs, which of course, if you are struggling to make money, yes, crime is going to seem much more, you know, plausible for you. It's going to be like, right. oh yeah, this is a nice thing. I, I, I can make money doing this. Um, might not get caught. Of course, that's for anyone. That's not yeah. just black people. That's any poor person who can't feed their children or feed themselves or do this. Yes, crime is going to be much more of an attraction to them, right? So I, I just, I'm, I'm always going to say that. Kind of figure out what's going on? Why would people be pushing illegal immigration? Why would people be pushing, oh, police brutality, all of these things, when the reality is we could be doing so much, right? If BLM has the support it had right now, right? And decided to switch up today and be like, we're going to fight single motherhood and the welfare state and illegal immigration. And that's going to affect the culture. It would change the world. Absolutely. 100%. Yep. And, and yeah, it's so, so much there. There's so much that, that I want to say to that. It's crazy, man. I'm telling you, it, it's just really amazing. And I think that, you know, to be fair, I think there's a number of people. And I think, I think you're hundred percent right that the politicians yeah. have, have heard all of these things, right. They hear the arguments yeah. from both sides. And, and the scary thing is on both sides, you have this politicians that care more about being reelected than they care about actually helping and impacting yeah. anything. Yes. And why do they do that? Because politics is extremely lucrative. If you're doing the illegal, shady, you know, corrupt stuff that a lot of politicians are doing and the corruption is on both sides, hundred percent, you know, but I think that this is important. I I, I always say this and I I felt this way, especially during election season that I'm like, I'm perfectly okay, or at least much more okay with, with uh, my, the black community who hates both Democrats and Republicans because they think that neither of them have helped than people who are just like a completely, uh, you know, you know, to the death loyal to the democratic party. Cause it just, when you hear all these stats, it just makes 
literally no sense, right? Like you hear all of these stats and these different things and these different issues. And it's like, you, you look at these huge initiatives, $22 trillion in the war on poverty. It's like, what yeah. has it helped? It's literally, things have literally barely moved. And for a lot of people, people making the argument that racism, all this stuff has only gotten worse or it's not any better or we're so a racist yeah. country. Like, how have they helped? You yeah. know, and we need to be seeking new solutions. We need to be seeking to change our culture and we're not changing our culture. We're letting things like Black Lives Matter change our culture into thinking that we need to be terrified to leave our house. We need to be extremely loyal mm-hmm. and dedicated to Black or to Democrats and, and we yes. can't trust anybody else. Uh, yeah, the no person is illegal is just one of the many things that's on that classic sign where love is love, science is real and all these different things, yeah. right? No person is illegal. And it's like, yeah, I'm not saying any human beings illegal and shouldn't be allowed to live, yeah. but we also have sovereignty and we have rules and we have things like this. And people agree with those, right? Like they, the same people who think that no person is legal think that in, in six months, we shouldn't be able to get on an airplane without having an identification that we got a vaccine. You know, like we believe in having identification and rules and boundaries, right? And that's okay. Every nation in the world has yeah. those. Mm-hmm. And so there's not a problem with that. There's no issue with us having proper legal immigration. We should be able, again, just like I said before, I, I'm, you know, a little bit more uh, left-leaning in, cons- in the conservative circles for this sometimes, yeah. but I think that we should, as the wealthiest nation in the world, or one of, you know, we should be able to help, you know, and be a place where people can come and live a better life, right? And we've always been that, right? But it doesn't mean that we have to have open borders and let anybody and their mama come through the because borders. Because we're not going to be that country that people want to come to anymore. Exactly. Right? That's what we happens over time. And it's not because they're brown. Something. It's not because they're yeah. Mexican. It, they yeah. could be any race, any color. Like we, yeah. we literally have to remain America. There has to be yeah. a balance of bringing people in. And when they do come, they need to be Americans. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's not wrong to Americanize. Not saying that you can't wave a Mexican flag. Not saying that you can't wave a, a France flag or whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah. any other country, you can still have your culture, but there has to be America shined the brightest and we were the most strong, strongly united, I think, when mm-hmm. people came to America. And, and most people that do come to America want to be Americans. Oh, yeah. Immigrants are like so gung-ho America. Right. It is unreal. It's, yes. it's amazing. And so yeah. going back to, you know, as we kind of close down these last couple points that we want to hit on is why do they, why, why does Black Lives Matter? Why did the Democratic Party, why did the, the media, why do they push all this stuff? Why do they ignore the real issues and, and really focus on mm-hmm this one single issue, but that happens to be very tiny to the black community to blow it up. And that's yeah. because that uh, they directly fund democratic politicians, They do. right? So if, I remember, I'll never forget, there was like an Instagram video that showed me the first time and I went and I was like, that can't be true, man. Like I, I'll I never forget how mind blown I was when you look down mm-hmm. on the give page, on the donate page to, to Black Lives Matter, you look and it has this, it, it, it goes to uh, an organization called Act Blue. Mm-hmm. which just directly goes to funding um, democratic politicians. And you can literally go and see that. You can look up the Act Blue website and mm-hmm. you can see what it says and what it tells yeah. you, how Act Blue works, what it does. I'm looking at it right now. And yeah. it talks about how, what it does is it funds democratic politicians. And you see things like I shared in my Instagram story yesterday about, um, it was kind of a sarcastic, I think it was a Babylon B article about how excited Georgians are to have, uh, the politicians elected in Georgia talk about the Senate races yeah. um, that Democrats in, in California were most passionate about, right? Because you see the amount of money. Oh my gosh, I heard I heard the stats on the amount of money, uh, how much Biden outspent Trump, um, how much the House representatives, oh, the Democratic side outspent the Republicans. Yeah. 
and just the money that's poured into this. And people literally are, are emotionally pulled into supporting mm -hmm. movements like Black Lives Matter that donate directly into the pockets of democratic politicians. Yes. That's what it does. And people, I mean, it, it, it's so important to understand that and to realize that. And then when you take all of that into the context of everything we've talked about so mm -hmm. far, you realize why did you, because that's the question, right? When, you, when you're a moral, rational human being, you're mm -hmm. hearing all this stuff about legal immigration, how it impacts the, yes. the black community, uh, abortion, how it impacts the black community. When you hear about the welfare state, how it impacts the black community. When you think about gun violence and murder and poverty, how it impacts the black community. We think about yeah. single motherhood and how it impacts the black community. And you're like, why are none of those things talked about? And then you hear the low, low, low percentage in the impact of police brutality on unarmed black men. And you're like, that's what we talk about all the time. Why do people do that? This is why. Yeah, yeah. To, you know, and like you said before, there are many politicians, both on the left and the right, who don't necessarily care about helping America, right? And yep. the more we understand that, I mean, I'm not like a libertarian or anything. It's not like I don't really want any government involvement, but that means we kind of have this toxic relationship with our government, knowing that right. we need them, but they don't always do what's in our best interest, right? So once again, my, my reaction to that is, okay, I hear things are happening. I like, you know, January 6th, the Capitol, all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just sit back and wait a little bit. I'm going to be wary of what I hear in the media. Um, I am not going to jump to any main big conclusions and just wait because we get more information all the time. And oftentimes that'll either be like, oh, you know, someone totally affected the situation, planned it, set it up, or other things that are happening. And I just, I am in the yeah. state now, especially recently, I'm like, I'm not really trusting of the government or the media or what anyone really says. And I'm going to wait until I like, you know, maybe the Daily Wire does some hardcore research and right. writes an article, you know, because yeah. they're, they're pretty like, I mean, of course they're conservative leaning, but they do research. And they're pretty unbiased when it comes to stuff. They're not like gung-ho Trump or gung-ho anyone else, right? Um, right? So just like find those people you trust, those little things you trust, and don't just like get drawn in. We get drawn in so easily. And that's exactly what I think the media wants us in a, in a frenzy. They love this stuff, you know? And we should just yep. be really careful of how much time and effort we're putting into trusting and looking at these things that are going on in our country and believing everything to be like 100% true, you know? Yeah. But it is really crazy that, wow, I have no trust in most of our politicians. <laughs> yeah. I think that, that was probably yeah. like the, the biggest thing that I've had come out of yeah. the last like couple years of my life. And even like in the church world, right? Like you think about like when you're a kid, like you think like, yeah. wow, like politicians want what's best for me like my priests okay. and the parish and the pope and everybody wants what's mm -hmm. best for me my doctors everybody wants what's best for me. Yeah. You, know, you just kind of have this belief and then as you grow up you're just like oh my gosh like everything's so flawed and broken and horrible okay. and we still have like this, we have this hope right we have this hope in our faith we have this hope in our mm -hmm. country that we can still continue to grow and to improve just like we have this hope in ourselves yeah. right like the institutions and our organizations reflect our human journey as well of like oh. constantly going and perfecting it and we're shooting for perfection we're never going to hit it but it's crazy, just like a person, right? Like if you treat any person, like a lot of these extremely leftists treat America, you just be discouraged. And like, you, like, what can I even do, right? Like I can't do it. No matter how much better I get, no matter how much good I do, I'm viewed as awful and horrific, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, man, if America was a person, it'd be the most dejected human being that, that ever walked the face really of the earth. Point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And right. the people who love America would feel de dejected too. 
right? Exactly. We appreciate our country, which I do very much because I, I feel yeah. so blessed every day to wake up here. Um, not I don't like have no. I just like I feel like wow, I have so much opportunity. I have right. so much opportunity as a woman, as a black person, right? Um, as yep. a minority, all of these things. I'm like wow, I have so much opportunity. I'm so grateful to live here, and um, I just it really shocks me that so many people don't feel that way. Yep. Um, and of course right. we, have to, we have to pay attention to okay, why don't they feel that way? Be empathetic. I'm literally so empathetic. I cried during like the good dinosaur. Like I literally like I am one of I literally cry in everything because I like watch someone cry. See, and and I you cry. want me to believe you don't cry when you get pulled over? I don't because I'm not scared. <laughs> I'm not scared or like sad, right? I watched like the, yeah, the dinosaur like missing his dad and the little boy, and I'm like, that's that is sad. Like I could literally cry right now talking about it. That's Please don't. how I am. I'm so emotional <laughs> sometimes. And it's funny though, I'm emotional and I'm a conservative and people would be like, well, you don't care about people. Right. I'm like, oh, so my emotions don't actually guide my logical thinking. Right. So that's what's important. So I am emotional when I watch movies about poor, um, low income black communities or slavery. I'm so emotional and it breaks my yeah. heart, but I want to see real change, right? And I want to be logical about how that change is going to be coming about. And I think that's just extremely important. And I think Catholics especially, we should be extremely empathetic and also logical because Jesus Christ spreads truth, right? Yeah. Not, not just emotion, but hardcore truth. And he spreads it with love, right? And the Holy Spirit. And that's how we should be approaching this situation is we are emotional and we are empathetic and we appreciate um, and understand people's feelings, but we also want to take a logical standpoint with it and spread truth. Because if we want to, if we're really empathetic, we want to see change, we want to help people. We have to do things that actually help people. And what we're yeah. seeing is that BLM does not do that. Yeah. And understanding as, as Christians and Catholics that uh, we, like the world is not perfectible, as, as I mentioned earlier, you know what I mean? And, and Ben Shapiro talks about that, how that's yeah. like the socialism, at the heart of socialism is believing that humanity can be perfected mm -hmm. if it's reliant on the government and allows the government to tell it what to do completely, right? And so we understand yeah. like that's not possible. So while we're yeah. not trying to downplay necessarily or like say that it's bad like because we're not even I, I mean I don't want to speak for you but I think that you'd yeah. agree with me that we're not anti-fighting against police brutality when it's wrong oh right totally. like I think that's a good cause but but just like we in the military you have to make some hard decisions right when you're in a bat mm -hmm. when you're in battle the medic has to make some very difficult decisions when when five casualties come his way because yeah. you have to triage and say okay who's the like this guy got shot, you know, in, in the back yeah. or, you know what I mean? Got shot, has a pierced lung. Yeah. This guy has a broken arm and this guy has a splinter. Like you don't treat them all the yeah. same. Right. And yeah. it, even if the guy with the splinter is yelling the loudest, you yeah. still have to say like, Hey, like I got it. Like I'm going to address this, but like yeah. in the proper order, right. I'm going to put the proper amount of energy, effort, and resources into the right issues so that we can address all these things that are going to actually help to improve our society. And the problem that we have you know, speaking for you again, but problem that we have mainly with Black Lives Matter is that it doesn't do that, right? Like it takes an actual issue, albeit a smaller issue in relative comparison to these other issues mm -hmm. and blows it up to be the biggest issue and makes it emotional and then just funds money instead of fighting that issue into yeah. the pockets of democratic politicians. Yeah. And that's ultimately, I think the Catholic response, like that's our problem, right? Like that's yeah. the, the basic, you know, most fundamental point mm -hmm. that we have that's an issue. And I think that so the, the last thing we wanted to share about, or there's the last kind of two things that we wanted to share about in regards to why we have to be weary of that, right? Obviously, mm -hmm. abortion, Planned Parenthood, and the things yeah. that we're also funding as we fund Democratic politicians and their yeah. agendas. 
But also something that I think a lot of people don't know about is the 1619 project and critical race theory and how much that's being pushed in our public schools by democratic leaders um, and, and that we're funding that and, and we're supporting that because of all this. I mean, my mom had to go through this like racial training at her job, which yeah. she said was just like absolutely wild, right? <laughs> She's yeah. been, I mean, my mom, my mom has literally, you know, been super involved in my dad's family for the last mm-hmm. 30 years of her life, right? Like she's been a probation officer, she works in, uh, she's a social worker, uh, works with mental health patients, all types yeah. of things, right? She literally has a black son and she had to go through this like racial sensitivity training and she was like, like about to explode right like she just couldn't believe the stuff that she had to go through with that and that's like swept our nation because of this because of this movement because we've allowed this to take over so much but the 1619 project is i'm going to read the quote from new york times magazine is uh, this is the quote the 1619 project is an ongoing initiative from the new york times magazine that began in august 2019 the 400th anniversary of the beginning of american slavery it aims this is key it aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of Black Americans at the very center of our national narrative. Crazy. Right. And that's the same thing, basically, what critical race theory is just an extension of that, mm-hmm. you know, from Britannica, from Britannica.com talks about how critical race theory is the view that yeah. the law and legal institutions are inherently racist and that race itself um, is socially constructed concept that is used by white people to further their economic and political interests at the expense of people of color. And these things are like, I mean, just changing the way that American history is taught in our, in yes. our, you know, our schools. And it's so wild. And this is why I think that it's such a cultural battle, not just a political one yes. of, of what we're trying to fight against here with sharing conservative values, sharing Judeo-Christian values and sharing our patriotic thoughts and opinions and views on history mm-hmm. is because we're losing, we're like, uh academia you know not only hollywood but academia politics society is being so dominated by these extremist views that are ultimately just going to lead us to socialism which is our last thing of did you did you you watch the kamala harris commercial i did yeah oh my gosh you need to basically saying everyone needs to start at the same exact place equal opportunity and equal outcome yeah Yeah. right so the difference between equal opportunity and equal outcome and that's basically the difference between a free capitalist society and socialism. And the thing that I love, the, the, so it, I encourage everybody to go watch this, this Kamala Harris, you can type in socialism video would probably come up, but this Kamala Harris commercial, right? That's basically this yeah. advertisement for socialism that is beautiful. It has this cute noise, it's animated and it shows how yeah. the black man is unable to grab the ladder, but the white guy already has, you know, has basically a huge leg up on him which mm-hmm. is true, like there are not equal, you know, nobody's starting at the exact same place and nobody yeah. disagrees with that. But the beautiful part about yeah. capitalism is that we all have the opportunity to get to the same place, right? There's no caps, mm-hmm. there's no limits on what you can create yeah. in our free society today. But what yeah. socialism, what she hits on at the end is she says we all end up in the same place. And the best response, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. I'm just, just uh, before you get to there, it's interesting that we have black Americans wealthier than white Americans. <laughs> right. So yeah. let's just point oh that gosh. out right away. That's going to be part her, three. Her logic is totally right. It's gone. The you mean like the fact that some of the several of the poorest counties in the United States of America are predominantly white? 
well, which, which yeah, conveniently well, came up when that. people were talking yeah. trash about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Mitch McConnell, some of the, the, the Senate yeah. leaders and stuff like they were talking about how, oh, you want to help poverty, but some of the, or you don't want to give money, but some of the poorest countries or counties in the country are, yeah. are in your, your state. And it's like, yeah, those are white counties. You know that, right? Like <laughs> people don't talk about that. Or yeah. another big one, Bella, is how about the fact that people from the West Indies, Jamaicans, Haitians, yeah. when people move here, they do better than African-Americans do. Yes, it's like, especially Nigerians, I've heard, they do extremely well. Africans, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, right? come here and, and crush like, it. So it's not about- And race. Asians do better than whites in America. Yes. But the and system so, set up to benefit white. Then we have to talk about the fact, okay, maybe it is class, maybe it is money. Hmm, right. you know? And yep. maybe a, approach it from that side. Because if your, her logic is 100%, like solid, there would be no black person wealthier than a white person in America. Right. Because no and black all black people, African or African Americans would be doing the exact, would all be struggling. Yes. Not be able to Definitely. make it, right? But what's the other reason why those people from those countries tend to do better? They also have higher marriage rates and less mm-hmm. single parent households. Yes. Uh, and amongst other things. But the other, the, my favorite response to something like this stupid yes. Kamala Harris commercial on socialism is, the, the video that kind of went viral there a couple of weeks, or this was about a month ago, of Margaret Thatcher. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Margaret Thatcher. So just an OG, right? Just an absolute yeah. gangster. And she responds yeah. to this socialist idiot in the crowd that's, that's pushing back to her. And I think he's in parliament there. And she's talking about um, how the, the, the people in the, the socialist movement would be okay with shortening the gap between the rich and the poor so long as the rich were less rich and the poor were poorer. But so long yeah. as the, the gap is closer, they're okay with it. And that's exactly what happens in every socialist society that's ever yeah. existed is that you have people go from poor to poor, but they're at least closer to the people who are in the top 1%. Yeah. So the gap is shorter, but the poverty is more severe. And that's exactly what you see. And I think that that's what people don't understand about if you go to third world countries and you see that poverty versus what we consider poverty in the US where people are sitting at home and undoubtedly there's poor, there's people who are struggling, there's kids who go to bed hungry and that is awful. Yeah. But it's not, it doesn't, it do, I mean, it's, it's like it worlds away when you're talking about Somalia yeah. or Haiti or some, yeah. you know, like countries that are truly ravaged or even like places like China, right? Like the, the disparity between the one, the top mm-hmm. 1%, but oh my gosh, like we don't even yeah. understand how severe actual poverty is around the world. And it's you know, just, you, we're not focusing on the right things, right? right. I mean, people talk about- And that's what we, we, and we're yeah. capable of going, pushing down into that level if we allow socialism to take over literally the best country that has ever existed in the history of mankind. Yeah. And it just makes me, it makes my heart kind of like, oh my gosh, when I watch, you know, I've never been to a third world country, but I watch documentaries about it. At least I, I'm somewhat educated on what it means to be extremely poor. And right. I think the rest of America was intent on understanding how other countries live. That might change, you know, how we think. And also we're focusing, we focus on the gap all the time. People are so interested in other people's money. We're so interested in yeah. the wealthy people. Well, if, why would we focus on that gap so much? Like, I just don't understand the point. Like, oh, we're mad at wealthy people for being wealthy because it's not like they're taking money from poor people. Right. Necessarily, right? It's not like all of those wealthy people are like, we're, we're just- paying for it. Know. Yeah, they're paying for it. They're making that money. And they actually you, oftentimes help poor people become wealthier. So exactly. why are the we only time on poor that? people, the only time rich people take money from poor people in America is- uh, politicians taxing the poor yeah (laughs) that is is when it happened (laughs) you know what i mean is a corrupt politician tax the poor and funnel that money into interest that fund them and support Mm -hmm. them yes or other organizations that are you know hurting 
other countries like China and they have kids working for them and they're not paying them any money right. in other countries. And that's important to talk about too, but a lot of those, those companies, Nike will be like talking about black oppression in America when they're oppressing Asian children. Literally, children. And I'm like, and, but no one wants to, but like, it's funny because if we had journalists who were actual journalists, they would talk about that and they would point out the hypocrisy that's going on, but they don't, yeah. you know? But I just, once again, we should be paying attention to the right things. I don't care about how rich the richest person is, but I do care about helping extremely poor people, right? right? And what we can do to make their lives easier and help them work and make money for themselves. That's what I care about. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, this guy, like Jeff Bezos, no, everyone's mad about Jeff Bezos making money. Right. I'm like, okay, cool. He also provides bazillion jobs. Yeah. <laughs> and we all love what he created. We talk yes. about it every single we day. We all use it. Yeah. We all use it. And that's why he made so much money. And the mm -hmm. other thing with that too is if we take the money from the rich and do what with it? Yeah. We just talked about $22 trillion in the war on poverty. What, what are you just going to make that $40 trillion and, and it's still no movement? Yeah. There's no plan of like, what are we going to do? You know, you hear people like Bernie Sanders are screaming and yelling about the gap. And it's like, well, what's the plan? <laughs> actually do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're yeah. talking about, we spent too much money on the military, three times all American wars on the war on poverty. Yes. And, and what has, what has happened? What is the fruit yeah. of that? What has been shown to work? And it doesn't mean we don't pay attention to maybe, oh yeah, right. the, the army does not spend money well and they don't take care of their money. We still yeah. can pay attention to that, right? Because yeah, I can confirm. Um, yes, we still <laughs> do that, but that doesn't mean- We're wasting some money. Like, it doesn't mean that there's not other problems going on. Yeah, we mm -hmm. definitely waste some money. My sister was just talking about it because her you know, fiance is in Kuwait right now, so. Yeah, man, it's wild. Ugh. What a time to be alive. So we had a ton of resources with this. I don't know where <laughs> to put them or what to do. I'll put them, I'll try to put as many as I can. I'm sorry? Yeah, you can put them in like the description. The, of the show podcast. notes. Yeah. yeah, we'll throw some resources down in there so people can mm -hmm. read for themselves. But Love that's really what we ultimately want to encourage people to do. Yes. We obviously have our passionate opinions on these things. And I truly, again, like just the same way, I always feel detached the same way I kind of feel when I present the faith to somebody is like, I can't decide for them, right? But I just want them to know what they're walking away from. And that's yeah. exactly how I feel about all these things is like, I don't care. Like I'm, like I said earlier, I'm okay with people who disagree, people who feel differently, but I don't like when people don't acknowledge the fact that all of this other stuff is happening and how mm -hmm. that impacts the black communities and the Hispanic communities and the other you know minority communities, how it impacts America in general. Yeah. But just emphasis on this, emphasizes this one issue as if it's the biggest issue in the world. Yeah. You know, and I think it's really tragic. And, and that manipulation of the media, and we have to start distrusting the, the politicians who are trying yeah. to make us distrust each other, you know, because exactly. the government is trying to make us distrust one another so that we can trust and rely yeah. on them. And we're skeptical of one another when really yeah. in reality, we should trust one another because most Americans are good people. Yes. Trust the government who's trying to divide us. Exactly. And we're so hateful towards each other. But yeah. in my head, I'm like, you know, you're a Biden supporter, maybe you're pro-choice. I don't hate you. I, you just lived a completely different life than me and you have different views and you were influenced in a different way. Right. But what I do hate is when the government says things knowing, right? People knowing that lives are being lost, that black communities are being affected negatively and not doing anything about it when they are in the place of power. That's yeah. those are the people I'm going to really dislike. You know? Yeah, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> this had, is really good. It's pretty long. <laughs> it is, yeah, this we had two marathons for sure. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but this is yeah, it's such a great time. So thanks so much, Bella, for all your time today and and joining the the podcast with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
Yeah. So tell them, uh, I, I'm, I'm always bad at remembering this, but yeah. you have the Ben and Bella show, right? So you have your own podcast. I'm not doing the Ben and Bella show anymore, actually, which is pretty good because it was a big time consumer. But okay. basically I'm working on Restore Love. Uh, we have big goals this year, trying to raise a lot of money, help girls all over the world, just heal from child sex abuse, heal from addictive pornography use. Um, and that's just going to be really my main focus this year. I love talking politics. I'll talk them as much as I can in my free time. But uh, my main passion is just reaching this group of women who really need, who need help and aren't getting it. And so I just want to bring resources to them. And that's my goal this year to just Amen. focus on that. Yeah. Such a beautiful mission. So thanks for all your work with that as well. And I'll put your, your Instagram handles for both your organization and you personally in the, in the show notes also. <laughs> and so. Thank you so much. I look forward to hopefully doing another one together uh, sometime yeah, soon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have a great time. But <laughs> yeah, it's always good. <laughs> Amen.